This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Dr. Frank W. Gaskill is the co-author of Max Gamer. He is an awesome Aspie who uses his special abilities to become a superhero. The authors don't consider Asperger's a disorder. Instead, they see it as a potential gift that can include some amazing skills. While some define it by deficits, this book focuses on strengths that give these individuals the resilience and confidence they need to rise to their potential. Valeria interviews Dr. Frank W. Gaskell. He is an American psychologist and author who specializes in Asperger's syndrome, effective parenting, and how does t- and how technology and children can interface safely and successfully. Gaskell co-founded the largest private psychology practice in the country. Dr. Stephen Wellfish, president of the Division of Independent Practice for the American Psychology Association, noted in an interview with the Charlotte Observer that Gaskill's practice is the most creative, innovative, and best-run practices in the United States. Gaskill is the co-author of a graphic novel about Asperger's. In addition to having a comic based on Asperger's, he is also the host of an online video series dedicated to promoting the idea that Asperger's is a more highly evolved brain. This show is called The Dr. G. Aspie Show. Gaskill received his BA, MA, and PhD in psychology and school psychology from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Prior to founding Southeast Psych, he worked at the Devereux Foundation in Devon, Pennsylvania, serving as their primary therapist and senior research psychologist for the Institute for Clinical Training and Research, ICTR. Gaskill is also a contributing author to the Travis Langley Popular Culture Psychology Series. Gaskill was a panelist at Comic-Con San Diego for his work with Max Gamer. His work has been featured in USA Today, NPR, and other media outlets. Gaskill gives approximately 15 presentations, conferences per year across the Southeast covering topics such as Asperger's and e-parenting. Meet Dr. Frank at fatcatpsych.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Frank W. Gaskill. In your own words, who is Dr. Frank G? Um, I am a psychologist. I am on the spectrum. I have seen Star Wars over 500 times. I'm a graduate of 10 years at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill um, and have moved to Tampa and trying to figure out what a palm tree is. That sounds great to me. I love Florida because of that, too. Oh, the beaches, of course. Oh, yeah. Ah, gosh. So my second warm-up question for today is about 
The human experience, what do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? Um, that's a really good question. What I've been focused, like I've, I've, I'm an old man, I'm 53. And what I have been focusing on for the last four or five years is goal setting and being in the moment and forward thinking because you can't change the past. And my dad was a Navy SEAL and he said, you always make your bed. And so I, I, I have this to-do list every day and I teach all of my clients to do their to-do list because it makes them feel like, okay, well, at least I got that done. I may not have control over my crazy family or whatever, but at least they're saying, okay, I got this done. And then I'm thinking about the human experience when it comes to yeah, being in the moment and knowing that we don't have control over everything. That makes so much sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yoga. It's this app called Headspace. It's, it's about breathing, but also just like you can't get it all done at once. And you get a little bit done each day. And once you get everything done, you write down a couple rewards. So today, my reward, if I get everything done, which we'll see, <laughs> is to, we'll see, yeah, like yeah, that. <laughs> it's to work on my uh, Lego Titanic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a beautiful contemplation on pause, pausing more, slowing down. That's what it is. It yep. feels to me like the realm of the mind. And I don't know if there's another one, which uh, we, it's, if there is another realm beyond the mind, can only be recognized through the mind or can be understood or explained, described, if it, it can be described through the mind anyway. Yeah, this slowing down, it seems like the mind doesn't understand that. It's so hard to stop the mind from going on, on and on and on, kind of repeating things, the same thoughts, or going back to the past, projecting the future. It's such an interesting instrument, tool to witness, to watch mm -hmm. at play, and a painful one, right, Dr. Frank? I went, I, I went on sabbatical for eight weeks, and I deleted all of my social media. And I have never been more focused and more in the moment. And I've gone through my Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of crap, and I've just like deleted or blocked almost everybody. Um, my Twitter is for business, so I don't really care about that. But it's it's like it's not distracting. Uh, yeah, that's one thing that I don't do. <laughs> I try not to engage with. I have a team who does all this work of marketing, sharing these messages everywhere. Mm -hmm. But I try to not engage with that. Or TV as well. Of course, mainstream TV. That's uh, something that I do Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a TV lunatic. Oh, you are? Wow. Interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I watch Godzilla movies and <laughs> horror movies and like all kinds of crap. It's ridiculous. I always have it on. It's a distraction. 
Uh, it is. And it seems like we are somehow, the mind is attracted to distractions a lot of times. It's interesting how it's almost a magnet. Or it might not be a distraction in a way. It might be a way of keeping itself busy, which is the mind loves to do, being busy, or feeling that it's doing something. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have that background noise than to be stuck in my head. And I have seen that. I live, my mother-in-law, she lives with me. And my husband, too. They do that a lot. And I used to do it in the past, too. I remember years back. I used, before going to sleep, I had to have something on. Yeah, my my girlfriend and I, we end up watching Dateline. And it's just noise. Um, But we always watch a horror movie basically every day. So, I mean, it's fun. And... And we both have exactly the same interests, which Mm. is amazing. But, um, yeah. That creates very much that sense of connection, although I believe we all connected at a deeper level. Except she always wants me to make her blueberry muffins. Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) Oh, that's really sweet, yeah. Another beautiful, delicious connection (laughs) to have. Fun, right? It's fun. It's part of being. That... And what makes me think about the human experience again, going back to it, I have yes. heard so many times people say, it's to have fun. You know, we're here to have fun, to just enjoy this, whatever this is that we call life. Are you familiar with Star Wars? Yes, I have watched it before. I think one time, just once. Okay. So there's a new series out called Kenobi. And Obi-Wan Kenobi the actor, Ewan McGregor, has been doing these commercials. And the commercials say, when you die, are you going to regret not buying a new TV, a bigger TV? Or are you going to regret not doing experiences? And and that's pretty much what I'm all about is just experiences. And that's a question that I also asked somebody who I interviewed. Oh, I forgot his name now. Serena, Serena, yeah. He's in a wheelchair, I think, since he was born. He mm-hmm. has um, cerebral palsy. So he can't speak and he can't walk. He cannot do many things. But when I asked him the question, he has a translator, somebody who was there during the interview. And when I asked him about what life was all about, he said, having experiences. <laughs> That's yes. what life is all about. <laughs> That's right. It was so quick, too. He was very clear on that. Another question I have for you, the open question, is about the mental health. How do you define mental health? What is to be mentally healthy from your perspective? Well, it's a lot about what we've already talked about. But uh, the mental health, at least in the U.S., is a disaster. And it's teenagers, kids being on social media and looking at what their friends are doing, but what their friends are doing is, it's just, it's not real. It's, it's fake. And, um, I mean, I, I think mental health is finding somebody that you can talk to openly and, accepting that person and they accept you. And that's actually really hard to find. But um, 
it's just about being open and, and not defensive and like, okay, let's just talk about this stuff. Um, and, you know, like sitting outside, feeding the squirrels. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's a lot of that kind of crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That resonates true, being able to talk about anything without any defensiveness, connecting yes. at that level with other people, right? Yeah. And it's hard because we're not usually raised to behave that way. So it's tricky. It makes me think about unconditional love. Yes. I have heard that many times by psychologists and psychiatrists, all kinds of doctors, that that's what really breeds a healthy mind, unconditional yes. love. Yes. And you just said that again in, in a different way, in a beautiful way, too. I agree. Mm-hmm. Going back to Star Wars, what do you love most about that movie? <laughs> oh, don't, <laughs> Everything. Don't even get me started. <laughs> oh, yeah, I will. <laughs> um, I saw it opening day, May 25th, 1977. And I wrote a chapter in a book called The Psychology of Star Wars about this or actually two chapters. And I remember I was sitting in the back seat of my parents' car. I'm an only child. And my mom held up a newspaper while my dad was driving us to Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. And she said, you should take your son to go see this movie. And I'm like, what? And my dad is super on the spectrum, or was. He's, he's passed away. And I, um, I looked at the newspaper, and there were these two stormtroopers shooting down at Luke and Leia. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And so that Friday night, we went. And I lost my freaking mind. And we walked out, and I was like in shock. Like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And my dad held my hand, and he never held my hand. And I looked up at him like, what are you doing? And he goes, that... Darth Vader was cool. I'm like, okay, it's not Darth Vader, it's Darth Vader. <laughs> and so then I went back and I saw it four more times that week. And yesterday I got my new Florida license plate and it says Dr. Vader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's just a thing. Like, you know, I don't know, it's a comfort, I guess, and nostalgia. Because that's, that's back in, in terms of pop culture. That's when everybody sort of watched the same stuff. There wasn't like a million channels or a million movies. Um, and so, you know, me and my friends, we just bonded over all that stuff. That's an interesting comment that you made about not having too many options. So it's easier to connect. The minds yeah. were more connected than they are today. Absolutely. Another question I have for you is, the open questions have too many, it's spirituality. What is spirituality to you, Frank? I mean, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. I don't go to church because it grosses me out because it feels like, I don't know, just like a scam. Um, But I pray. I believe. Um that there's something else out there. Um, and I talk to my clients about that kind of stuff. Um, but I was not raised in a church. Um, but, I mean, that's about it, where that is. 
with that in mind, I guess, another question that somewhat relates to spirituality, mm -hmm. that, I mean, it's the case for me, it's freedom. What is your idea of freedom? What is to be free? That's a really good question. Um, for me, it means to be accepted unconditionally and to be willing to say, I'm sorry if I have done something wrong. And that the person says, I forgive you. That's, I mean, I, I, I think that's, I think that's it is just to be completely honest and completely open and willing to give love to a person and that they appreciate it. Yeah, I wonder why so it is a challenge for most of us to forgive. Like my mother-in-law, she usually talks, when I talk to her about her kids and, and other people in her life, in her past, she has a hard time forgiving them for what they have done, Some, even small things. Mm -hmm. So I wonder why so it's so it's such a challenge to forgive for some of us. I think it's really about anger. Ah, uh, I. You know they're they're stuck in their past and how they were raised, or they're they've been hurt in some way, um, and it's hard for people to change as they get older. Another question is about the idea of love. What is love to you? That's a good question. Um, I don't think I've ever been in love until I met the woman that I'm with now. And for me, and, and she always, <laughs> she always says, stop saying this, but I like to serve her, like fix her steak and, you know, potatoes and blueberry muffins, like to make the bed, to clean the floors, like Serving her makes me feel like, okay, A, I matter, and B, hopefully, well, not hopefully, I, know, I mean, she tells me all the time, that she feels loved. And there's that book, The Five Love Languages, and usually the language you give to somebody is the language that you appreciate. And so, like... I bought her and her kids Godzilla t-shirts and, you know, candy and all, just, and she appreciates it, but it doesn't land the same way it would with me. So it's kind of like trying to figure out somebody's language and then communicating with them based on that language. How do we find that? Is that paying attention, listening? What are some of the ways that we can kind of find the love language of the people well, around us? One thing is you read the book because there's there's one for adults and one for understanding your children's love language. But with some people, they don't have a specific love language. So you have to kind of keep, you know, poking around and figuring out, okay, what is it today? Um, mine used to be gifts, um, but now it's experiences and touch. That's basically it. Oh, so the love language, it changed. Yeah, it, it changed for me. I used to be always about gifts and I would freak out when I get a gift. And now I'm like, oh, 
you're going to rub my neck. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> That's better than a gift. That's a gift <laughs> yes. itself. Yeah. Yes. And my last warm-up question is about the world's greatest need. At this time, what is the world's greatest need? Get rid of social media. What is it about social media that causes so much trouble? Because people get in their silos and they surround themselves with just the stuff that they want to hear. And I'll give you a good example of this. And it made me insane and I, I, I just, I couldn't take it. There was a friend I had on Facebook and she posted a photo of the New Orleans Saints football team, their jet. And she said, the pilots parked the jet on the runway and walked out and said, if you don't kneel, I mean, if you don't stand for the national anthem, we're not going to fly you home. And I'm like, this is not real. And I looked on this website, uh, it's, I think it's called Snopes, where it exposes lies. And I found that picture and it was a lie. And I sent it to her and then just deep friend her. So you're, you, what is wrong with you? And then I sat there and thought, why do I care about this crap? And, and so I, I, I think social media is, well, actually, I can quote you a stat. When Instagram went live is when suicide went up 35% and anxiety went up 25%. That's interesting how we let so many outside inputs, kind of outside elements to inform who we are and, and the way we feel. That's very interesting how we allowed that to happen. Since Instagram came out, I had had one client kill themselves. Since Instagram came out, I've lost 11. Wow, that is so sad. I never heard this answer before. What is the world's greatest need? Get rid of social media. That was the first time. Get rid of it. And don't let kids get on it. It's just, it's just a mess. Do you think this will happen one of these days? What is uh, I do, actually. So there's this, uh, I guess I'd call it a cultural phenomenon where generations change over time. So we had back in the 20s, the flappers and the boozers and all that kind of stuff. And then we went through the Great Depression. And then we had World War II and we had, quote unquote, the greatest generation. And then we had, um, they, they went out and like built cities. And then they had a bunch of babies. And I was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and then they said, we don't need to pay attention to you because we're building buildings. And so then I'm a Gen Xer and the Gen X people said, screw you. And we got Nirvana. And then after that, we grew up and said, we need to take care of our kids. And so there, there, was, there were movies back in the 80s, like Chucky and like just bad evil children, The Omen, those kinds of things. And then one year, it was in June, I can't remember the actual year, that this movie came out called... The Good Child. It was Macaulay Culkin and the kid who played The Hobbit. And all those movies that made a lot of money based on bad children 
this movie came out and it flopped. Nobody wanted to see it. And then a month or two later, we got maternal child leave, which I think we need paternal child leave, <laughs> but maternal child leave. <laughs> and that's exactly when Baby on Board came out in cars. And so then we went through this phase of let's take care of kids, let's take care of kids. But now the pendulum has switched to helicopter parenting and kids not being able to be independent. And what I'm hearing from my clients is they're pissed off that their parents are on their phones all the time. And I hope that continues because then we'll have another generation that says enough of this. And then we'll create something else or uncreate. <laughs> well, maybe we'll create dinosaurs. Who knows? Yeah, that's um, fascinating that everything changed, right? Keep changing. You kept track of all that. I'm listening to you. I'm thinking, gosh, I didn't know anything about it. That's how much I love history. Yeah, it, hap it happens about every 20 years. There's always a shift. We just don't know where it's headed next. Do you have a vision for five years, 10 years from now, where we will be as humanity? We have a, a war happening at this time, Ukraine and Russia. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I do not, and I'll, I'll tell you why. There are only four emotions that a human can have. Happy, mad, sad, and worry. And you can take other words that are emotions, but they all fit in those categories. Mad is about being blocked from something. Um, loss is about losing something. And worry is about control. Now you can rephrase this. Mad is the present. Loss is the past. Worry is the future. You can't control the future. You can't control the past. But you can manage the moment, and then you're left with happy. And that's kind of how I try to live my life, is I made my bed today, and and taking care of my father-in-law and I'm, you know, I'm cleaning. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's stupid stuff. Um, but I, I can't predict the future. I can't control the future. And I just don't. This is one of the most powerful messages I have heard, have come across um, from anyone and from my own Findings, experiences, it's so true. It's just that's not easy. And I think that's why most of us get caught up with the, um, the future and the, the past because it's, we're trying to manage the mind in a way mm -hmm. to keep it here. And I don't know if that's the, from my experience, has not been the way to do it. I kind of ignore it. <laughs> that's what yeah. I have to do in order to bypass it in a way and become happy <laughs> in the moment. Well, and that's, I mean, but that's, that's okay. You know, you're in the moment, you can ignore stuff. And because I mean, it, it just like, trust me, I got a lot of stuff to worry about. But what am I going to do? And, and so what do I do? 
I'm going to make blueberry muffins this afternoon. <laughs> yes, that sounds much better. <laughs> A much, much better idea. <laughs> so, Frank, you co-wrote the book Max Gamer. Talk to me about the main inspiration, intention, and the purpose of writing this book. Well, I started um, social skills groups when I was much younger. Um, and I was looking around at the kids that were coming in and they were all bullied, ignored, they misread situations, they were kind of weird and not weird by my experience. I mean, who doesn't care about dinosaurs? But, um, and I was like, wait, this seems familiar because when I was in graduate school, um, I was at the center of the quote-unquote autism universe. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. And I just started doing research, and I realized, wait, okay. And then um, there's a book I would recommend to you. It's called Neurotribes. It's a New York Times bestseller by a friend of mine named Steve Silberman. And it, it's, it's like there are these tribes, but there's a specific tribe. It's Elon Musk. It's Bill Gates, Jerry Seinfeld, Questlove from the Roots. They're all on the spectrum. And when they're with each other, they're happy. But if you throw them into a country club and go to a special dinner, they're like, get me out of here. And, and so I started just building my groups around these kids. And then I thought, you know, I want to write a comic book about this. And then it just happened. And I remember when I had my first draft, I, I got like, I don't know, 15 of my guys around a table. They were all maybe 12 or 13. And they just sat there and they read it. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. They're really quiet. <laughs> and then this one kid looked at me and he said, Dr. G, do you follow me around all the time? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> He's like, I know everything about dinosaurs and the presidents. How did you know that? I'm like, well, I, yeah, it's a thing. It's very clear to me that you are getting the point across that it's okay to be different. Yes. We are just different. I think it's fantastic to be different. I absolutely agree. The reason why we have become so close-minded, per se, in the sense of judgmental and pushing away what is different, would you say that this is something that was actually has been created by society, that we are almost like um, conditioned to think in a certain way? And if we don't, then we're not accepted. We are not normal. We are not... Uh, good or good enough? Is that something that has to do with the, the constructs of our societies? I, I mean, yes, but it depends on where you are. So like when I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, I changed the entire culture of the spectrum to where all the private schools were recruiting kids on the spectrum, which is why I've moved to Tampa because there's nothing down here. And I want to change the culture of Florida and um, trying to, I, I have an intern who's trying to get me into HR with 
Disney, because basically everybody at Disney is on the spectrum, like everybody. Um, but there's also this bias on some level that the media has built in with like the Big Bang Theory and like this is who somebody on the spectrum is and like it's not. I mean, if you've, what I always say, if you've met one Aspie, you've met one Aspie. Right, yeah. Everybody's different. And so that's just kind of what I'm going to keep working on until I save enough money to move to Key West. The owner of the website, fatcatpsych.com. That's my cat. I know, I love that. (laughs) I remember it was so refreshing to see that. So talk to me about that website, what you offer there, and um, yeah, what was the idea behind it? What was the intention? Well, I mean, I, I created the largest private practice in the country. And then when I left that, there are a lot of lessons to be learned. And one is you don't name your business after your name because then you can't sell it. The other part is I, during a sort of a transition phase of my life, I thought I need to get a pet. And I went to this uh, rescue place and I was talking to a friend on FaceTime and I went into this one room where there were cats wandering around and she goes, those cats are jerks. I'm like, I I don't know what that means because I've never had a cat. And then I went into the other room and there was this gray cat and I put my finger in and she walked over and licked my finger. And my friend said, she just chose you. And I'm like, what? I don't know what this means. And so I woke up the next morning and I was like, I have to go get that cat. And I named her Ahsoka Tano, which is a gray Jedi. You wouldn't know what that means, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's a, a semi-Jedi. And I was thinking, like, what am I going to name my new business? And I looked at my cat, <laughs> and when I got her, she was eight pounds, and she would run around. And now she's like 14 pounds. And I'm like, oh, that's a fat cat. And then I thought, <laughs> oh, I'm going to call it fatcatpsych.com. <laughs> that's basically it. This, that is fun. <laughs> but, yeah, I've got a lot of articles I post, usually one or two a week. Uh, psychology of Elon Musk, um, psychology, technology, parenting, you name it. And I have videos up there too. I love how fun you are. <laughs> You've been communicating these messages, profound messages. I feel the fun behind it, which is, it is the foundation of healing, isn't it? Yes. Once we are healed or healed enough, that's what comes up. Laughter. <laughs> we become more fun, you, lighter. You, gotta have fun you gotta <laughs> laugh you gotta do weird stuff yeah i agree <laughs> and like who cares you also hosted the um online show it's titled the dr g aspie show yes so i'd love to hear about that too dr frank i'm gonna filter a little bit about that yeah yeah um but it was a show that i created um I think there are like 30 or 40 episodes. And 
when I left Charlotte, uh, how do I phrase this? Um, uh, that all ended. I'll put it that way. And so pretty soon I'm going to start up something new. I haven't quite figured out exactly what I'm going to do. I'm pretty sure I am because I've got to update some stuff. But that was that was um, a period at the end of the sentence. I'll put it that way. Another question is about, are you open to new clients? And if oh, you, yeah. Do you offer online sessions, remote yes. sessions, in person? I do in person, online. And um, I also, um, like, when you go on to the website, you can register as a new client. You can see my schedule. But that phone number, which it, it's a direct line to me. Uh, like, I got three texts today for three new clients. And one of them is in Scotland. He's like, I got to see you on Saturday. I'm hmm. like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I have to say this for the podcast. I did Ancestry. And I'm Scottish. And the person that I'm with was born in Brooklyn. And she said, well, I'm Scottish too. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know about that, right? <laughs> But that's, yeah. that's the stuff that we laugh about and we play about. This is more on the, uh, the Aspies. The question is, how can family members become more understanding, supportive of Aspies? Uh, you go on YouTube and you type in Gaskill Aspie and you watch that first episode. And after a lot of my families have watched that video, the dads are like, wait a minute, that's me. Like, yeah, no, 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 duh. And then it, it becomes like building what I had mentioned previously, the neuro tribe. And that means Dungeons and Dragons groups and comic book stores and, you know, various odd video games. And, and that a parent is able to say, you know, I don't know how to play Fortnite, but I'm going to sit here and try and figure it out and be with you and be present and, and not judge you for being different. Because I, th I think different is cool. Yeah, that's something that, unfortunately, uh, we have to learn. What an interesting thing. It's almost like an mm -hmm. unlearning in a way. Um, yes, it is. Isn't it? So I love the way you say Aspie is awesome. Or Aspies are yes, awesome. they are awesome. Yeah, I love the way you say that. And you also say it doesn't always feel awesome to be an Aspie. Yeah, you feel different. But over time, when you figure out your place in the world, who cares? Like my, uh, my, I guess, partner, we haven't figured out what to call each other. But when I have met somebody that will sit down and play Mortal Kombat or build Legos with me or watch horror movies that are really bad, <laughs> then I'm yeah. like, okay, this is, this is my, my human being. And it's been fantastic. <laughs> I love that. 
I absolutely love everything about you. Thanks. Uh, I love how funny you are for being you, being so you that it's just beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Frank. You might want to do a podcast with her at some point. Yeah, that'd be fun. She's the top, <laughs> I'd say, probably number one marriage and sex therapist in the country. Wow, really? Oh, uh, we would have fun. And, <laughs> and or, where, where are you from? You have an accent. Yes, I'm from Brazil. Brazil. Oh, Born okay. in Brazil. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's bilingual. Oh, so. wow, wow. Yeah. But not in Portuguese. That would be fun. Yes, 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 yes. A thousand times to that invitation. Sounds yeah. inspiring to me. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything that we left unsaid? Um, I would say, like, what is your story? What is your mission? That's a good question. That's a great question. Nobody has asked me that before. I believe that I'm life itself. I don't have a life. So it's mm-hmm. just life, the universe, uh, the divine, God, whatever we call it. Mm-hmm. This undescribable force, energy, just running mm-hmm. through everything that there is. And it's just doing what it does, which is uh, to support and nurture life itself. To be in a human body would be to have fun, to be happy, to be peaceful, healthy. So basically that's, um, yeah, it's not a specific mission because I'm life. So life can be anything. It could do Mm -hmm. anything at any moment. It could change really at any second. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not everyone understands that, but (laughs) I'm glad you do. (laughs) Yeah. And this is translated into what I do now. I have a lot of fun having these conversations and that Mm -hmm. I love like listening to the sound of life itself speaking, Mm -hmm. and it's just beautiful to me. There's something about it that it keeps attracting the body, the mind-conditioned mind and body to do Mm -hmm. these things. And my last question is, what is it about having this experience in the body or being in the body, who knows? What is something about it that fascinates you that you really... I mean, Star Wars, I know one. that's one of the things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eating blueberry muffins and them, or making them. But there's anything else that you really love about this experience as a human? Honestly? Yeah. It's finding the love of my life. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's really made all the world completely different for me. And um, it it just, it's just like, I'm safe. I love to hear that. It's such an important um, experience to have. I keep Mm -hmm. hearing that over and over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And speaking of experiences, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Um, Live in Iran. That's where I grew up. Uh, go sailing, mm-hmm. and meet the person you trust the most in the world. Beautiful. Um, thank you so much again, Dr. Thank Frank you. G. I love your message. I love the way you express yourself in this human experience. I love your mission. I love everything you say, the way you say it. I love the, uh, that you are 
being you, just simply Thank being you. you. It's the most beautiful thing. I really appreciate that. What a beautiful reminder for all of us. No, thank you. It's a great interview. You did a really good job. Yeah, thank you for the encouragement. The body appreciates. (laughs) Before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, your books, services, and future projects? Um, Okay, so I'm on Twitter uh, at maybe DRF Gaskill. I mean, it's it's on my website. There's fatcatpsych.com. I've produced two movies. And everybody can see the trailers on my website. Uh, they're on Amazon Prime. Um, comic book, like I, all my resources are basically just on my website. Wonderful. So I'll have the link on your podcast profile. And now you made me curious about it. I didn't know about the movies. What are they about? They're child friendly. Uh, the first one is called Legends of the Night. Spelled K-N-I-G-H-T. And it's about people have used who have used the symbol of the Batman to overcome adversity. And then the second movie is called Look to the Sky. And it's about children doing amazing things for the world. And it's based on Superman. I'll look into them too. I'll have the link on your podcast profile for these movies too. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you so much again, Dr. Frank. Thank you. And we'll talk again. Bye for now. Okay, that'd be great. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Frank W. Gaskell and his work, please visit fatcatpsych.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.